horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I am John Engelhart, and we've got uh, two good guests tonight. Both have been on the show before. Uh, one is an amazingly talented former jockey by the name of Donna Barton Brothers. And uh, Donna's been with us on a lot of levels, uh, representing wine companies uh, uh, for the uh, – <clears throat> the, the book that she authored, Inside Track, Inside Guide to Horse Racing. And, of course, you see her all the time on television and around the big races, coming back with the winning jockey, whether it be a, a Breeders' Cup or a Derby race. That's Donna up on horseback. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little cough there. And uh, so she's going to be with us because she penned an article about a week ago, and it's called PETA is a Bully. And basically, she starts it out by saying, I can no longer remain silent about my love for horses and for horse racing. And for fear of backlash from PETA and other extremist organizations that claim to be looking out for our horse's welfare. Wow, she delves into PETA. And there are things I never knew and almost wish I couldn't believe, but it's verified by several sources throughout her story that uh, PETA isn't necessarily the good guy you think they are. So as someone that grew up with horses, <clears throat> uh, Donna, as you know, uh, has been raised in a family there uh, forever associated with horses. Her mother, Patty, was one of the trailblazers of female riders in North America. And uh, so we know that she's a passion and a love for the horses, and I really look forward to getting her take. Now, our second guest, the formal host of this show, none other than Ed Meyer, will be with us. Uh, Ed and I are going to spend a little time talking about a gentleman that uh, we know and love and we'll never forget. He just passed away yesterday. His name is John McDoolan. Uh, he worked for the Daily Racing Forum, I'm going to say, for 20 years at least, uh, all over different parts of the country. And uh, uh, what, what an interesting uh, life he's led. I don't know if there's a job in America that he hasn't done from being a towing company owner to a pizza parlor in Arkansas, <laughs> uh, you name it, John did it. But he also was has been on the show many times as, as a handicapper. Uh, he uh, liked to find his way to the betting window. He was just a very entertaining guy, and I'm sure between Ed and I, we're going to have some very good stories about one John McDoolin, a fine Irishman. And uh, we wish him well up there in heaven. Uh, as on the handicapping front, Ed's going to join us. We're going to go north of the border, uh, Woodbine. It's the Grade Two Kennedy Road, and this is going to be an interesting race because uh, Pink Lloyd, uh, he'll be going for another Sovereign Award, which is their Eclipse Award uh, in Canada, and uh, he'll be going for it in the Kennedy Road now. His trainer, Robert Tiller, who's done an outstanding job, lifetime, 26 starts, 21 wins for earnings of $1.2 million. Now, Pink Lloyd's now seven years old, but he decided uh, after the, oh, kind of adventurous bold ruler uh, to give him a race. And why I say that about the bold ruler is Pink Lloyd at the start of the race uh, broke through the starting gate. And he kind of rushed up to the front, and then uh, Enrico da Silva just decided to – it wasn't his day. And so he was declared a non-starter in that race. So it does not go against his record this year, where he now boasts an undefeated 5-for-5 five five record. He's given a rest, but there's some shooters in there for sure that could be dangerous. Look forward to hearing from Ed on who he thinks that might be. And then it's the end of the year. The two-year-olds got to get him out of the barn. Let's see if they can go a rare distance for two-year-olds, a mile and an eighth in Woodbine's Coronation's Futurity, $225,000 on the line. 
And I know who I like, but I'll save that for that handicapping portion of the show. And then a race named after one of the finest turf riders ever in the history of the game, Red Smith. It's grade three at Aqueduct. Another unique distance, a mile and three-eighths on the inner turf, though I understand weather may be a little bit dicey. So whether or not they'll be going on a soft turf or if it will come off the turf, we don't know because there are some dangerous horses entered for the main track only. And the big question here is Sadler's Joy. Sadler's Joy's just on a 10-race losing streak, but he's a winner of $2.3 million, six-year-old son of Kitten's Joy. Uh, but from what I can see, in his last 12 races, has only raced in grade one and grade twos, and the Red Smith is a grade three. Will his class outweigh his late running ability and the fact that he seems to like to hang with the herd as they say so that's the setup for this week's show let's take a look at some of the news and the headlines probably the biggest one is california chrome is going to japan that's right the syndicate has reached an agreement with uh, the JS Company of Japan to purchase California Chrome. Of course, they've got to go through quarantine and exportation requirements and the such. But um, as part of the agreement, uh, the California Chrome Syndicate has the first right of refusal uh, if he's ever about to be sold or upon retirement from breeding, he can live out the remainder of his life at TaylorMade Farm. And uh, they do say that owners Perry and Denise Martin, who are two of the major partners, will continue to participate in California Chrome's breeding career in Japan. I don't know if that means they're going to be shipping mares over to him or not. And, uh, you know, the thing is, he's just developed such a following. He's such a beautiful horse. And, you know, the, the things that he's achieved, two-time horse of the year in 2014 and 2016, the richest Kentucky Derby winner in the history, won seven grade ones, the Derby, the Preakness, Pacific Classic, the Dubai World Cup, and Santa Anita Derby, awesome again stakes, retired with earnings of four. Million dollars, and he's the most accomplished horse from the AP Indy sire line. Though Lucky Pulpit is a far cry from AP Indy, nonetheless, the Japanese perhaps are looking for another Sunday silence. Now, he uh, stood uh, last year, this year, I should say, last season uh, for $35,000. But he's not the only one uh, uh, shipping over there to Arrow Stud, he's going to be joining. Horse of the Year candidate, Bricks and Mortar, Thunder Snow, Animal Kingdom's going over there, and New Year's Day, the Sire of Maximum Security, and they're all going to stay in Japan next year. Well, remember Bodie Express? Yes, uh, the horse who made headlines in the Preakness Stakes when he popped Johnny V in the air and uh, got loose. Luckily, the Outriders caught him quickly. The uh, This time... Uh, what he did was he broke something else. He broke the track record at Gulfstream West, uh, hitting the wire in 135.5 under jockey Emisiel Aramilo. It was just an allowance race, uh, but the re- before that, the distance was nearly three quarters of a second slower. So uh, congratulations uh, to uh, Bodie Express. He is a punchline no longer. So he was sent off as the heavy four to five favorite here. Now, here's something interesting. Of course, uh, leading sire in North America right now into mischief and soon to be retired, but totally are going to be available to quarter horses. Now, you got to remember, quarter horses uh, breed by way of our artificial insemination and it's going to be Robichaux Ranch who's brokering the deal and going to handle it so it'll be very interesting now towards the end of his career you might know that Stormcat uh, did the same thing Uh, and so it'll be artificial insemination I don't know if they will collect that shall I say uh, during the non-live breeding season Uh, and so uh you know, Spendthrift thinks outside the box, and they came up with a different idea. And uh, they thought, 
maybe they tried, of course, artificial insemination. You can have a whole lot of babies. Uh, you know, somebody like Steve Asmussen grew up in the quarter horse business. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how many mares they get and what happens three years down the road when those babies are born. But uh, Robicho Ranch, uh, they will handle the, uh, the the frozen season collected from the both. And uh, then they'll have contracts from the mares. Obviously, the stud fees will be going way down to the live cover of a thoroughbred into mischief. Uh, I think right now it's up around 175000 um, You'll be able to get uh, to him with a quarter horse for 10000 and Matoli will be offered at four. Uh, so uh, we will uh, find out uh, what, what happens down the road. So anyhow, uh, we've got uh, – more to tell you, how about this? Fort Larned, the 2012 Breeders' Cup Classic winner, is coming to Ohio. He's going to uh, be standing at Daryl and Sari, Sally Duncan's farm near Warsaw, Ohio. Uh, that's kind of in the northeast portion of the state. It's really out there. And he's going to stand for about 2500 I think they're still wavering on the stud fee. Of course, uh, you know, stakes producing or stakes mares will get a break. Now, the, the interesting thing is, here's Fort Larn. Um, he's already sired 46 winners. He's only 11 years old, so he's a nice stud. This isn't like you're getting an 18-year-old stud that won the Breeders' Cup Classic. He's only a, a, 11 years. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to be a big hit for the state of Ohio, a, a horse like him. Uh, he, he's out of... Uh, uh, winning broad brush mare but the, the important thing is the second dam was the two-time champion and breeders cup will winner by that's a whole lot of pedigree and a whole lot of race record for a great price so uh, the duncans may be getting some business with the breeders cup classic winner moving there well uh now we uh know why they were so cautious with Maxfield. It looks like he's going to undergo surgery to take out a ankle chip. I really love this horse as they're the day he won the, the Claiborne's Breeders to Futurity. Uh, but as you may recall, uh, just before uh, the Breeders' Cup, they uh, said, uh, I think we're going to scratch him and take a look. I don't think he's 100%. And obviously, trainer Brendan Walsh was absolutely correct. Uh, so uh, I, I hope the horse comes back. He was extremely impressive and probably would have been one of the favorites on Breeders' Cup Day in, in the juvenile. Uh, so uh, from there, let's take a look at some other uh, uh, stories and animals that uh, we need to talk about here of course uh, i'm really hoping we can get a hold of donna but uh, we can uh, also verify that uh, she her article on pedo is uh, mentioned prominently in the blood horse uh, by evan hammonds uh, the editor there but let's go over the 2019 leading sires i mentioned into mischief uh, again, he was standing for 150. Now he's 175 into mischief right now, depending on what would happen between now and, oh, December 31st, he takes over leadership of the sires in North America. Second is Curlin, who uh, sired Vino Rosso, the Breeders' Cup Classic winner this year. And moving down a notch, but I don't think it's going to change his reputation, is Tappet who last year commanded a stud fee of $225,000. Sad to say, Giants Causeway has left us, but he is now the fourth leading sire in North America. Behind him, Quality Road, who stands for $150,000. And then another that stands for $200,000 solid, Medaglia di Oro, who's at Darley Stud in Kentucky. Then Windstar, they're represented by Spitestown. He holds number seven. Hard Spun at Darley is number eight. And the Grass Love and Kittens Joy is at nine. And rounding out the top ten is Street Sense. So that's a look at the national news and currently the overall leading sires. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, I hope we're going to be with Donna Barton Brothers. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. 
Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, we are reaching out to Donna Barton Brothers. Haven't been able to make the connection quite yet, but there's a lot going on in racing. So let me give you some more of the headlines. Uh, Gary West says he's going to appeal the judge's decision to dismiss the Kentucky Derby lawsuit. As you know, that he brought it forward uh, saying that maximum security uh, finished first in the Derby and that the call of the stewards uh, wasn't strong enough. Uh, He disagreed with their decision and uh, he's going to appeal that decision. Now, he's made enough money over the years. I'm sure he's got it, but uh, they... uh, it's hard to believe because uh, the the court's decision was that disqualification by the Kentucky stewards are never subject to judicial or any kind of review, which kind of puts Kentucky stewards above the law, and that's the the opinion of West, and uh, he d- says I will not and cannot let that go unchallenged. But uh, you know what can I say? Uh, the, uh, the judge said, accordingly, the court must grant the motion to dismiss, and the West disagree uh, as far as his due process. So they're going to spend some more money and, and try to fight it. Quite frankly, I don't see that happening, but uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, meanwhile, I believe maximum security is gearing up uh, for another year and race. Uh, we uh, just told you about the leading stallions in the state well in the state in north america how about the ones with with two-year-olds who's hot and who's not well into mischief leads that one too i mean he is just amazing as a matter of fact uh into mischief he just passed a milestone when he became the first north american stallion to be represented by 200 winners in a single season and that was a two-year-old that got him over the top so let's take a look now at the 2019 leading sires of two-year-olds there'll be some baby races a lot of people like to get them out of the barn before new year's comes around so into mischief on top but i like seeing this the second leading sire of two-year-olds is none other than triple crown winner and horse of the year american pharaoh with his first crop that's fantastic. Uh, then you've got Uncle Mo, and then uh, Declaration of War, who, of course, has uh, been moved to uh, Japan. But I like seeing this, the sixth leading, first-time stallion with his babies at the races, Constitution at Windstar. Now, he is a son of Tappet, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how his sire line goes with his sons. But Constitution is sixth on the leading sires of two-year-olds. Behind him, more than ready, Munnings, Flashback, who's a son of Tappet. And then Palace Malice holds the 10 spot. He's a 10-year-old son of Curlin, only stands for $15,000. Other first-time studs. Uh, with their babies at the races, Liam's map is hot. He comes in at number 14. And Competitive Edge, a son of Super Saver, is at 16. While uh, Distorted Humor son, Kozan, comes in at 17. Now, they are all in their first year of having babies at the races. So, it will be fun to watch them uh, over the years. Well, uh got to go back to uh to donna's uh oh article 
on PETA is a bully because the, the things I found out you need to know. And obviously, if, if you Google PETA is a bully on some any horse racing website, you'll probably get uh, uh, Donna's writing to come up there. But uh, she's tired and she's not going to take it anymore. She says she's read through the numerous lawsuits uh, against PETA. And uh, let's see, John, you and your big finger. Okay. Uh, he's looked, she's looked up their kill rates and read about their revenue allocations. PETA is pro-PETA, not pro-animals, and they're behaving like a bully. And uh, you got to find out more about this organization. And you got to go back and look at animals as a whole. I mean, at some point along the evolutionary chain, these once wild animals realized that living near and around Homo sapiens could actually benefit them. As they got closer and closer uh, to our species, their food sources became more reliable, their living conditions became less volatile. And so these relationships have grown over the years. We've become closer and closer to our animals and them to us us not just horses but dogs and cats and uh so and now after thousands of years of evolutionary development of these mutually beneficial interactions PETA marches in and said that this is all wrong well, like donna says i beg to differ as somebody that's been involved with horses her whole life and uh what you've got to realize that there's horses out horses are born to run they're out there on the plains and sad to say breakdowns happen not just at santa anita or other racetracks but they happen out in the fields they happen with horses stepping into gopher holes it, it's just it, it's part of of life and death and the other causes of death in horse are colic uh, again, these are the ones that are out living in the wild. Uh, they get infectious diseases, metabolic diseases, bone and tissue degeneration. But when you've got a horse in training and on the track, all of this is being evaluated on a regular basis and being treated on a regular basis. So uh, the fact that uh, they are wild animals, but they've come to be domiciled is something that you've got to, to understand. Pete would like to see them all just go away. So what you got to do is Google PETA, people against PETA, and you'll find websites all over the place that talk about the atrocities that PETA has committed on domesticated animals and the families that own them. Yeah, if they have their way, we'll never race horses again, nor will we be able to ride them in any fashion. Yeah, think about it. No show uh, jumping, no dressage, no hunters, no endurance, no pleasure, no trail riding. PETA, this isn't about just racing. They're against people interacting with animals. That sound extreme? Well, Donna didn't make it up. It's in their statement on companion animals. PETA believes that harboring a domesticated animal of any kind is a cruel form of animal slavery? Uh, this is an extreme, but PETA takes it one step even further. They believe that domesticated animals are better, not simply set free, but euthanized straight away in the event that they contract an infectious disease or get hit by a moving vehicle. Illness or injury is not PETA's only standard for euthanasia. Dozens of articles can be found online of PETA's active mission to not just euthanize sick and injured, but perfectly healthy dogs and cats uh it's unbelievable and now and these are different people that donna uses to verify it uh dr uh, nathan winnegard a graduate of stanford law says that uh, PETA's effective kill rate for cats in 2018 came in at 99 percent even though that they do operate shelters. And uh, according to this article, uh, their pill rate, kill rate in 2014 was 81%, whereas the local shelters, it's only at less than 25. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. And the, 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 cha the uh, chairman of PETA uh, went on record in an article on DMV, uh, DVM magazine saying she'd go to work early before anybody got there and she'd kill the animals myself. I must have killed thousands of them, sometimes dozens every day. That was Ingrid Newkirk, who's the founder and president of PETA. And so this went in the New Yorker. In the same article, she shuns even the use of guide dogs and admitted to taking a seeing eye dog away from the dog's blind owner. Are you kidding me? 
This is unbelievable. So, folks, before you see that they just want to nuzzle a horse's nose and be nice and not have to run around in circles and get up early every morning, think twice when you think of PETA because they are not the kind benefactors they have painted themselves to be. I wish Donna was here to give her side of the story, but I'm pretty sure I got the word out. Also, if you want to see a good article, go to the Blood Horse. Evan Hammonds, the managing editor, kind of talked about uh, people taking to the internet and sticking up for us that love and race horses and the care that they give. Uh, he uh, refers to Donna's article, but he also refers to uh, uh, Dr. Farron Pat- Patterson, who's a veterinarian and also a jockey. He wrote an open letter to Diane Feinstein. Gotta love that girl. So anyhow, go check it out. It's called uh, What's Going On Here column. He writes it uh, every week. Evan Hammonds, the managing editor of The Blood Horse. Folks, we got to get behind this. We got to get behind the care and the caution and making sure the track surfaces are, are safe and making sure that horses aren't over-medicated. I'm all for that. But for wiping out the sport and potentially wiping out the breed, nah, baby, nah. It's not going to happen on my garden. Hopefully not yours. Get involved, ladies and gentlemen. So anyhow, I've rant and roared long enough. Time for me to take a deep breath. And when I come back, I'm going to be with a guy that makes me relaxed and calm and part of the universe. So namaste right there. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and back with me, as I like to tell you every time he's on the show, he's the man I admire, the one and only Ed Meyer, who, by the way, uh, had, had a little bit of an incident that he didn't realize that somebody buttered the bottom of his socks today before he hit the top of the steps and uh, made a little quick exit right down the steps, and I'm glad he's well enough to join us. Steady Eddie Meyer, how are you? I'm doing daggone great, John. But getting old is not for the wimps. I will just tell you that. <laughs> I uh, I just had a little uh, little bumpity bump bump. You know, you see, you told me to get some good exercise in, mix it up a little bit. So I thought I would. Well, as long as you're here, one piece to talk about it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, sad oh, to yeah. say. 
there's there's a very good friend of your mine, uh, a guy we worked alongside for for many many years uh, in the press boxes and the local taverns uh, near near the track, and uh, that would be uh, John McDool. And I just teased a little bit. I didn't go into detail because I figured uh, you and I w- would share that, but. Uh, you know, I've known John for about, I'm going to say at least 20, and I'm probably banking my age. It was probably more than that now because I watched all of his kids grow up. And uh, some of the times and adventures we've had, uh, he was one interesting individual. Now, Ed, if, if John wrote a resume, how many pieces of paper would that take? <laughs> I don't think they make them anymore, but it would look like a phone book. Yeah. Now I'm going to date myself. It would look like a phone book. John was a renaissance man in every, in my heart, he, he was a renaissance man. Equo base, race car, bar owner, pizza parlor proprietor, owner, horse owner, a charitable man in every way, shape of the word, and a family man above all. I'll tell you what, if I live to be 3,004, I doubt that I'll meet another guy nearing our good friend Johnny Mac. He was he was one of a kind and I'll tell you what, he is gonna be missed by so many because he touched so many lives. He just just one of the good guys for sure. I, I actually I wrote a little blog about it and I said, you know, you make friends and they last. Racetrack friends last forever. That's the way John McDoolin was. Absolutely, and I know this is something you're aware of too, but it, to me it was just a, an, an example. Uh, I saw him, I'm going to say now like five years ago at the train. John, how you been? What you been doing? He goes, oh, I've been down to Louisiana. I said, well, what brings you down to Louisiana? I figured maybe he was you know, calling charts at the fairgrounds or something. And he said, well, I was in between meets, and this is when Katrina struck. This guy throws a couple chainsaws in his pickup truck. And just heads down to Louisiana with no Red Cross, no plan, no nothing. And as soon as he got down there and found a tree across the road, got his chainsaw out, cut the tree in half. And, you know, would local people come, let him haul away, get in his car, drive down the road a little bit more. I mean, what kind of, you know, he had no plan of action whatsoever except the chainsaws and heading to Louisiana. What does that tell you about this man? He, he was one of a kind, and that was his plan all along. Somebody needed help, and John was on the way. And he called me, oh, wow, this is just months ago. And he was feeling a little down with his health, and, you know, he was battling it out. And he always called me Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie, how you doing? You need anything? Can I do this? Can I? He wanted to help me. I mean, that was John. That was the John that I know. He had an infectious laugh. I'll tell you what. He had, uh, you know, good looks of a, of a young lad. I'm sure uh, he drove the, the gals crazy in high school. One hell of a football player. And, I mean, I've heard this from more gentlemen that, you know, they, they told me they went to the same high school, and I would ask them, hey, did you know John McDoolan? Did they know John McDoolan? They said he was one incredible ball player. I'll, I'll tell you what, John, I, you know, I, I met him at the racetrack, and some of the best times were at the end of a, of, of a work day. We'd have a couple of beers, stop yes, down at the race book beers. and play. They were my <laughs> beers you guys were having. I mean, well, I'd drink one beer, he'd drink three. I mean, he was, he was a quicker drinker. I mean, he was, he was a thirsty lad, and, you know, he... He was one of a kind, and I mean, he would he would uh, he would win five thousand one day, and the next day he wouldn't bet a dime. I mean, John was just one of those guys that he made he made working at the track fun. And I have to, I absolutely have to come clean on something. Where you thought it was me for so many years that was drinking your. We'll just call them Coca Colas. Your Coca Colas at the end of the day, you would have at five o'clock. John McDoolan would have a few drinks of your uh, your Coca-Colas. He was just one of the greatest guys, the funniest guys. And you never saw him, even when he was feeling really bad. I mean, he had that infectious smile. And um, I'll tell you what, I, at the end of the day... Yesterday, I had to tell you, I, was a, I had a lump in my throat. Today, I've had a smile on my face. That's the way John McDoolin left you. He left, he left you feeling better just, just by passing our way. 
You know, there's a great quote by Dr. Seuss. I forget exactly what it is, word for word. It's like, don't cry because I'm gone. Smile because I was there. <laughs> well, I think Dr. Seuss was right. I, I think that, wow, that, 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 that sums it up right there, John. I mean, and, and today was all smiles, and it was all laughter. And I, I found myself, I've, I was sitting there just typing away, and all of a sudden I started laughing. To myself, I mean, if you'd have walked by, you'd have thought I'd lost my gourd. And here I was, I was just thinking back to a time, you know, of something that, you know, he stopped by and just said out of the blue. He was just one of those guys. And uh, so many times when my son was small, he gave us ball tickets. And he would uh, come up with wrestling tickets. Oh, my gosh. I mean, and he, would, and he always thought of others long before himself. John always put others before himself. But, but. His grandbabies came ultra first. I mean, everybody else could be above John, but those grandbabies, I'll tell you what, they, they sure had the best grandpa in the world. Well, another page where his resume, Ed, and I know you uh, probably recall it, but not far from the track, John leased a uh, pay lake, a fishing lake. And oh, I lived, forgot. Yeah, lived in the home there. It was not far. It was just up five mile road from uh, River Downs, and uh, so he always had, had extra rooms. And so he let my my son and uh, myself come up there, and Pat would fish for free, and he just catch those little you know gills and stuff. But so anyhow, you, when you own a pay lake, people come out particularly on the weekend, and they pay you per night, and they set up tents, and and they they stay there, and they. They fish all day, all night, whatever. Mostly you hear pop tops coming off across the lake. Uh, sound travels well. But there was a contest every week where John would put up, I don't know, 100 or 200 bucks for the guy that caught the largest fish. Of course, they were carp. And, when, when, and so you'd be there. You'd be passed out at 3 in the morning. Ding dong, ding dong. And John would have to go down, meet these people. He had a Polaroid camera. He'd take, they'd hold the fish up. And these were, I'm talking like 40 pound carps. And you could see the scrapes on them and everything because they'd been in that lake for 20 years. And because it was catch and release as far as they were concerned. And uh, John, take their picture, write their name down. And then at the end of the month, uh, whoever had the biggest one got the 200 bucks. But it, it certainly stimulated. Uh, uh, business there, and I know uh, one business that he had to run off the ground was uh, going from tent to tent one weekend was, uh, shall I say, a, a lady of the night, and so she was she was taking away some of John's earnings there, but it sure made the pay lake guys happy, I can tell you that. But, I mean, it well, didn't matter. Fishing is a very exciting sport, John. I mean, it's completely exciting. And McDoolin knew this. I mean, you know, I there were so many things that he was into, and and he would he would you'd you'd come walking. I used to make a joke out of it. I when he would come walking into our old office at River Downs, I'd start it off with, oh, "What's up, Mac?" Because it wasn't going to be boring. I'll tell you that he just bought a new car that morning. I mean, a new car. Yesterday, he was driving a nice one. Today, he's driving a better one. I mean, hey, what's up, Mac? Hey, I hit uh, one for 5000 today, Ed. You should have seen it. I mean, that was John McDoolan. I mean, he made it just a better place. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I look back, and I'm sure going to miss my friend. I'm sure going to miss our friend. And, you know, he, he joined us on uh, Winning Ponies uh, with myself a few times. And I'm sure you probably had him on, a, you oh, know, yeah. a, a time or two. I mean, quite a handicapper as well. But I'll tell you what, uh, if there's Pearly Gates Downs, uh, you can better believe John McDoolan is there right now. Absolutely. He was, he was a great guy. And uh, so uh, some people may be listening to find it say, we only got the news yesterday morning. Uh, still no services uh, that I've been able to find. And of course, Ed, I've told you off air, uh, if you do see or hear anything, let me know because I'd like to be there. Uh, he's from a fine Irish family. They were always very proud of their Irish heritage. Uh, I remember at Flanagan's Pub at five in the morning one time up at Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he he had started the day off all right. Uh, so 
I, I, you know, heartfelt feelings go out uh, to uh, not only his parents, uh, but to his children and his grandchildren. Uh, if if one thing you can say about John is he was a true and blue family man for sure, as you've already stated, Ed. So, uh, anyhow, we could talk, tell stories. Oh, I haven't even gotten into it. Well, I better not go there because we'll have more stories and the FCC <laughs> regulations might knock us off the air. But uh, it, it has to do with going to a Reds game parlayed by the brass ass parlayed by AJ's Roadhouse. So you can just imagine what happened along those three chapters. Uh, but anyhow, goes. yeah, and I guess if people don't hear us grieving, it's because we, we think of John only in the most positive lights and he would, he would want it that way for sure. Oh, but, he, uh, he, he would say, get your act together. And uh, why don't you guys give out some winners for once, huh? I mean, yeah. he would call it right, right out. And uh, I, I, I'm sure going to miss that part, John. And uh, and like you said about the the grieving part, uh, I had a lump in my throat yesterday. I could hardly swallow. And you know, today I, I just I found myself laughing just just thinking about him. But uh, he's in a much better place. And uh, as I said, if heaven has a racetrack, John McDowell might be calling the races right about now. Absolutely. Well, Ed, I'll tell you what, let's change gears here. We'll take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and we come back, we'll uh, talk some horse racing and tackle a few races. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. All right, I'm John Engelhart. With us uh, this week is Ed Meyer. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, with me is Ed Meyer. And Ed, I'm going to ask you for your picks on the two races at Woodbine and the Red Smith. And we are joined uh, immediately after that by uh, Donna Barton Brothers. So, Ed, let's go up north to Woodbine. The Kennedy Road, an interesting race. I love this horse, Pink Lloyd. I love his name. Uh, but he's already been the horse of the year up in Canada. He's 5-for-5 five five this season. Last race, he was declared a non-starter because he broke through the gate at the start. His trainer, very smart. Robert Tiller decided to rest him because he wants to go out six for six, and this will lock horse of the year, though extravagant kid, and Richie's in the house, could be flies in the ointment. 
As I once heard, eloquent in its brevity. John, I couldn't agree with you more if I had uh, if I had three times to say it. I love the name as well. Eureka Rosa da Silva in the irons for Robert Tiller. They're winning 18%. And, you know, toss that last race because it was a non-race. And now we're looking for, what, six in a row here? Pink Lloyd, get all you can. Use with Extravagant Kid and Richie's in the house. All right. Uh, moving on uh, to the babies. Kind of rare. You see two-year-olds going in a mile and eighth, but they will in the Coronation Futurity. I don't think they can get past this Musaka Gold, the Marcassi trainee. Uh, the horse has uh, just been the class of the race. And if you look at his speed figures, uh, he's beaten most of these in here already. You know, I, I began there, and then I tried to go to a little value hunting. I went all the way to the outside of the eight. That is Malibu Mambo. It is a set of point of entry for Kevin Attard, who's winning 18%, one for one at Woodbine. So it's one for one over the all-weather. Last time ran out in the cup and saucer, which was on the turf. Now, they're going to go turf to dirt where the barn wins 19%, which is ultra impressive. Actually, you know, it wasn't a disgraceful race at all. You know, has not raced in 48 days, has some workmanlike uh, efforts in the morning here. Eureka Rosa da Silva is aboard. If you go back to that maiden race, what I watched three times, Malibu Mambo at 5-1 to one can shake him up and let him loose here. I think, uh, I think this guy can really give him all they want, and da Silva's only winning 25% of the track. Quite a rangeman indeed. I would use Malibu Mambo over Moscova Gold and Northern Thunder at 20 to 1. All right, Ed's picks. Let's go right now to the Red Smith, a grade three inner turf. It may not get to go on the inner turf. I hear the weather's a little bit dicey. I think the big question here is Sadler's Joy hasn't won in 10 races, but he has also never raced in anything less than a grade two for over a year. So you got the class drop. Does he get there in time, Eddie? He seems to like to run with the herd. You know, I, I think a little seconditis was actually mentioned in a form. I can't agree more. I'm going to try to beat once again the uh, the smaller choice here. I'm going to go with three Nakamura, Jose Ortiz in the irons. For trainer Graham Motion, I really like that effort in the grade three Sycamore. Keeneland steadied along about the second turn, and uh, you know Javier Castellano was aboard that day. It, Take nothing away from the Son of Animal Kingdom. Ran a beautiful second that day, but I think Nakamura was actually going to run possibly right to the winner's circle. If you go back three races ago, you'll see Jose was aboard for a, a win that came from out of the clouds. This Nakamura, the Son of Animal Kingdom, has a great late punch, and I think at 10 to 1, I'm all aboard. All right, thanks a million, Ed. I'm going to move on because I do want to get Donna on. We finally got a hold of her. Donna, listen, you wouldn't be the first good-looking woman to stand me up, so don't feel bad. You're in a big crowd. <laughs> well, it certainly wasn't intentional, John. That's what I get for not writing something down. Once you get past 50 years old, you got to write it all down, right? <laughs> uh, well, we got we got five minutes, so let's put 10 pounds in a five-pound bag. Uh, I was uh, alluding to earlier, I don't know if you got your blood horse today or not, but uh, Evan Hammonds gave you about a third of his article on what's going on here, and he's talking about you, Pete Fornatale, Dr. Farron Peterson. People are finally standing up. Up, just like you said, PETA is a bully, and I, I think we need more people in the industry to say, whoa, wait a minute, the loudest guy in the room isn't always right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not that everything that PETA does is wrong, and it's not that they are just 100% horrible, but they can't just keep standing on their bullet pulpit screaming about how bad we are. They have their own flaws, too. And certainly horse racing has flaws, but we do a lot of things right by the horse. We always have, and we've gotten increasingly better at that. And every now and then they need to back up and acknowledge the things that we've done well, and we've done a lot of things well over the last few years. Absolutely. And, you know, you point out, it's a very well-crafted article. Uh, you point out kind of the history of the horse and the fact that man has been so good for this horse. And, and horses in the wild are going to be horses. They're going to run. But, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna step in potholes and uh, things are going to happen. You pointed out colic uh, is a major factor of uh, some of their demise. Now that they have developed a relationship uh, with, with human beings, we're there to care for these maladies. But we've always been there to care for them. You know, John, if we go back to when the early settler, settlers of America were trying to, like, brave the frontier and make it over to 
the western frontier, they did it with horses. So they would have four horse um, horse teams pulling their covered wagon. And you know that along the way, horses broke down because it was rugged territory, and that's what happened. And, of course, they euthanized them by a shotgun on spot, replaced that horse with another horse. I'm sure they said a prayer over them in gratitude for what they did. But I think people could understand and accept back then when horses were just work animals that they were work animals and sometimes they would die in the line of duty just like we all do. But once we got tractors and automobiles, we didn't have a reason to keep horses anymore except for the sheer pleasure of it from the people who just loved horses. And so we found another way, right? Like we just rode them for pleasure. And if you ever ride a horse for pleasure, and I can tell you I've done that from my earliest memory, at some point you're going to say, I bet my horse is faster than yours. And so we didn't start doing it for money. I was racing my pony when I was five years old out in the field with my brother, right? So it's just a natural part of our evolution and the relationship that we have with animals. And the animal rights activists would have everybody who doesn't know better believe that we only do it for money. And it's just not true. No, it's absolutely not. And you're on the backstretch enough to see the care that these animals get and the love that they get. And and something that hasn't been really touched on uh, in this elimin- potential elimination of the sport, which you and I know will never happen, is the, the people that we employ. Our sport employs more of the unemployable than any other industry. And they're good people. They're hardworking. They not be highly educated, but they love the animal and they show up to work every day and they've got a job. Guess who also isn't highly educated? Me. So I didn't go to college until I was 36 years old and retired from being a jockey. My husband, who was one of the successful horse trainers that you well know won the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes, took three months of, months of college, asked him what he took in college. He told me time and space, right? <laughs> you don't have to be highly educated to be good at something that you're passionate about, something that you love. And so I, I think it's more important that people find their passion. And we have a lot of people who found their passion with horses. But I beg to differ. You said you, we, we know it'll never happen that horse racing could come to an end. It could very well happen given Don't what happened me. with the Greyhound racing in Florida. And we're just not going to let that happen in our sport. That's all. Well, and, and I think uh, I've got to close out here, but, you know, I, I mm-hmm. think by PETA is a bully and what Evan Hammonds is saying in the blood horse, we do. We need, we need to be stronger than them and we need to stand up. There's enough of us and we're quality people and we do have outlets just as we are right now to voice our opinion and we need to stand strong, Donna. And I thank you very much for the article you wrote and I've already told my audience to, to just Google PETA is a bully. It's a fantastic article. Thank you so much. Hey, John, I've known you my whole life, and you've been doing this my whole life, so thank you for what you do, too. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm so happy that Donna was able to join us a little bit short, but I'm pretty sure I got the message out in the second segment there. So please go, go read that, Peter's Bully. I want to thank my friend, uh, uh, Ed Meyer, and I want to uh, wish a quick, soulful ride to heaven for our friend, John McDoolin. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Join us next week. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. staff and management every saturday morning listen for the superstar sports talk block on voice america variety we've got the best programs if you want to talk football hunting outdoors racing and more the weekends belong to sports and you'll find it every 